0: Blob Talk Radio. Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is July the 7th, 7 twenty three, 2023, and it's 7 o'clock here in New York, and I thank you for joining me. Hope you've all enjoyed a wonderful Independence Day celebration. Got together, hopefully, with friends, family, neighbors, uh, perhaps uh, folks you work with. Um, really unite as americans to celebrate the founding of this great nation uh with all the difficulties we have with all the crazy stuff going on uh, i still believe that america is the greatest nation uh, that's ever been created uh maybe that sounds uh patriotic so be it but this is america it was america that stood up against slavery america that fought tyranny We hear so much about Antifa, the anti-fascists, who, in point of fact, are fascists. The true anti-fascists were the American and allied soldiers who combated the fascists during the Second World War. Many of those incredible members of the greatest generation did not come home or came home grievously wounded, and their sacrifices were designed or intended to protect freedom protect democracy and vanquish the fascists it's amazing how easy it is for some people to be persuaded about utter nonsense simply through the repetition of lie after lie which is something that the fascists of the second world war did by the way that tactic was called the big lie so we're told well If you look at the 1619 Project, the United States was formed out of slavery so it could never redeem itself. I mean, stop and think about that. In 1619, slavery was commonplace virtually, found all over the world in every country, by every race. Um, It it wasn't unique to the United States. And it was wrong. No one's going to argue that. But it's amazing that it was America that stood up to slavery. It was America that stood up to tyranny. And now we're being told, well, because America started with slavery, it can't be redeemed. So that means that even though the people that were here in 1619 long dead, their children, grandchildren, how many successive uh, members of their, of their of ancestry are, are now long dead? That we're going to hold America accountable for something that happened over 400 years ago by people who have long since stopped breathing, and we're going to say, well, America is evil because that's how it got its start. This is insanity, sheer insanity. And if you want to end America, that's fine, but my mom used to say that you don't throw out dirty water till you have clean water. So what I want to know is what you would replace America with. Would you like the regime of China? that has concentration camps essentially for the Uyghurs? Would you like the government of Iran perhaps to take over as a leadership position in the world? What government do you think demonstrates the kinds of values that you like? It's incredible to me that there are people that are foolish enough to say, yeah, let's, let's get rid of America. And what fills the vacuum, folks? What would fill the vacuum? You know, the Founding Fathers made it very clear when they said in order to form a more perfect union. Why did they say that? Because they knew that humans are not capable of perfection. It's absolutely beyond our grasp. There is no way that any human being can look in the mirror and say, yep, the person I'm looking at is absolutely perfect, never makes mistakes, has done everything perfectly. It it doesn't work. Humans are flawed. So America is a work in progress, and look at the progress we've made, and now we are referring to the lunatic left as liberals and progressives. Stop. There's nothing progressive about segregation, which is what they want, that is regressive. There's nothing liberal about people who create a cancel culture to shut down debate and discourse and would cancel the very First Amendment. I was raised as a classical liberal. i raised my kids to be classic liberals. What's a classic liberal? A classic liberal celebrates the First Amendment. To so true liberals, the First Amendment is sacrosanct. I have friends that I don't agree with on every issue. Hell, looking back in time, there are times they haven't even agreed with me. Because as time progresses, as we become aware of more information, as we live life and have more experiences, Sometimes we alter our perspectives and our opinions. That's called growing up. It's called maturing. So the idea that if someone disagrees with you, they're the enemy and we have to shut them down. No, it doesn't work that way. In fact, there's a wonderful expression that says two heads work better than one. What does that mean? Two heads work better than one. Well, the idea is that if two or more people get together and try to solve a problem, uh, this is synergy. Probably by putting all those efforts and all those perspectives together, we will achieve successes that would not otherwise be possible. And we don't always have to agree. I've never seen Americans so foolish as to stop talking to their own children. Well, my child doesn't agree with me on abortion, school prayer, whatever. Okay, isn't that your child's absolute right? Isn't it your absolute right to say, gee whiz, I respect you, but I disagree. Whether it's the abortion issue, you name the issue. We as Americans, as our birthright, have an absolute, fundamental, bulletproof, ironclad right to disagree. And so what of it? I was going to teach debate on the college level. My degree was in communications, arts, and sciences. I jokingly call it my B.A. in B.S. But communications, the effective communications that we are supposed to learn to cultivate as students, which we're not, uh, is fundamental to discourse, to democracy. So the idea that if people disagree, they must not talk to each other is insane. That's not what freedom looks like, folks. Look at what has happened at law schools where a judge, a recognized legal scholar, will come in and provide a discussion with an obverse viewpoint. And you have law students at prestigious law schools who are destined to ultimately become lawyers, judges, and CEOs of companies threaten violence against lawyers and judges who come in and express an opposing viewpoint. That's what happens in a trial. That's exactly what happens in a trial. The deliberative process says there are two sides. You know, the joke is that when there's a divorce, there's three sides, his, hers, and the truth. Suddenly, law schools, where you would think, the notion of debate, discourse, and disagreement would be fundamental to the mindset of people who want to argue cases in a courtroom, refuse to argue, and threaten violence against legal scholars because they disagree. If we don't alter that trajectory, I don't even want to imagine what America is going to be like in the next decade or two when these nitwits come of age. This is crazy stuff. And we need to sit down and understand how crazy it is. We should be able, as adults, to sit down and have this discourse, discussions, and debates. And I will tell you, the worst thing in the world is to, to be with somebody who agrees with you about everything. There was a Twilight Zone episode where a, a, a criminal dies and, and thinks he's gone to heaven because everything he wants, he gets. And whatever he says, people say, yep, you're right, yep, you're right. And and at the end of the uh, program, this is taped back in the 60s, he said, how in the world did I wind up in heaven? But he said, I don't think I like heaven. And, you know, the the moderator whomever, you know, starts laughing and says, you're not in heaven. Because the idea that everyone is just going to say, yep, you're right, yep, you're right, that's hell. That's not interesting. That's not the way to um, nourish your intellect. We don't understand our own concepts, our own ideas, until we have to argue those cases with somebody who opposes us, as long as we're being respectful, fact-based, and and courteous. And we can walk away from a debate or an argument and say, you know what, you and I are never going to see eye to eye, but we're always going to be friends. I have friends like that. What is wrong with that? And I don't care how contentious the argument is or the issue is. In fact, I would make a suggestion to you that with all of the threats we're facing, with all the damage being done to our country by the lunatics, we must take certain issues, no matter how strongly we feel about them, put them in a box, cover the box, buy a fancy ribbon around the box, and put it on the back shelf of your closet. Because if we lose our freedoms, if we lose our country, all those arguments, all those debates, all those issues, they'll be academic. They, they, will, they will go away. Because in a dictatorship, it won't matter what you think. The rulers will tell you the way it is. How close are we to that point right now? How close are we to that point right now? And I'm so thrilled that a judge ruled that when the Biden administration tried to get social media to create basically a ministry of truth, that this represented a serious threat to the First Amendment and freedom of speech. Of course it does. Of course it does. Whether it was COVID, whether it was the vaccine, or whether it's any of these other issues, if you are fearful about articulating your ideas, you no longer live in a free country. You no longer live in a free country. If you are fearful of standing up and saying, you know, I disagree, um, whatever the issue. And even when people feel strongly, we should be mature and adult enough to say, well, I disagree with Mike, but you know what? He's entitled to his opinion. How many times did your parents tell you that growing up? Well, your friends are entitled to their opinion. We're no longer entitled to our opinion under this totalitarian mindset by the lunatic left, and there's nothing liberal about them. And when we refer to them as liberals, traditional classical liberals who aren't paying attention think, well, if they're liberals and I was raised to be a liberal, I guess – those are the folks on my side no they're not absolutely they're not because true liberals uh, to use that old expression would say to you i disagree with what you say but i will defend to the death your right to say it you have people out there that would say to you i will end you if you disagree with me what's liberal about that so just please bear all this in mind Bear this in mind when you have conversations. This is the summer. We're going to barbecues. We're getting together for picnics and and meeting family, friends, neighbors. Everyone's outside. Please, don't fight. Please, stop the name-calling. libertards, and all this other garbage. Uh, It's despicable. We've got to stop it. Our enemies love that we do this to each other. Our enemies love that we think one part of the other is the solution. I have real, real problems with the Democrat Party, and I'm a lifelong registered Democrat, but where in the world are the Republicans in all this? Every day, unknown tens of thousands of illegal aliens are flowing into the country, and, and everyone's sitting around um, having discussions and conversations. Donald Trump was impeached for a phone call, and I don't agree with everything Donald Trump has done or said. I have my issues with Trump. But my goodness gracious, you, you look at where we are. He was impeached for a phone call. We have an ongoing invasion that has been aided, abetted, encouraged, induced by the Biden administration in violation of Article 4, Section 4, that says states should to be provided or guaranteed a Republican form of government and protected against invasion and domestic violence. And what are we seeing, invasion and domestic violence? And people will talk about the constitutionality of some immigration law or some court decision. Let's get back to fundamentals. You cannot protect the country when there's an ongoing invasion. Our borders are our first and last line of defense, and they don't only exist along the Rio Grande. They exist on the northern border. They exist on the um, southern border and along our 95,000 miles of coastline. That point was made, by the way, by the chairman of the Homeland Security Committee when they had a hearing a couple of weeks ago about uh, the idea of impeaching Mayorkas. Of course, it would be great to get rid of Majorca if they never should have put him in that job in the first place. And I've written about him. I wrote about him for Front Page Magazine back in December 2020 when I predicted that if he took over to DHS, it would become the Department of Homeland Surrender. Not that it wasn't after the way Bush created it, splitting immigration enforcement between Customs and Border Protection and ICE and folding in totally irrelevant agencies and not funding it to, to have enough agents. But it really has become the Department of Homeland Surrender. And, in fact, just this past week, it's alarming. It was reported that the Border Patrol had in custody somebody on the terror watch list, and they cut the person loose. And the argument was, well, they really weren't sure about his identity, and then apparently maybe the FBI didn't give them all the information they needed. The same games that were played that got us into 9-11, remember the failure to communicate? If you remember Cool Hand Luke with Paul Newman, what we have here is a failure to communicate. But it's not only people on the terror watch list. Most terrorists are not on any terror watch list. If you know my background, you know that I've investigated and arrested terrorists. I provided testimony to the 9-11 Commission because of my real-world first hand experience as an immigration agent conducting investigations into terrorism. And it's not just from the Middle East. I arrested a suspected IRA terrorist and took a gun off of him. Terrorists exist around the world because human nature is human nature. There's nothing racist about immigration law enforcement. Every race, every religion, every ethnicity has the good, the bad, and the ugly. We all bleed red when we are cut, and every group of people has the good, the bad, and the ugly. The idea for our immigration laws is to protect America and Americans from foreign nationals, aliens, whose presence in our country would pose a threat to public health, public safety, national security and the jobs and wages of american citizens how in the world could any rational person be opposed to enforcing laws that are designed to do just that go to title eight united states code section 1182 repeat it title eight united states code section 1182 it enumerates the categories of aliens to be kept out of the country okay it's about aliens of dangerous communicable diseases or su- suffer severe mental illness, criminals, terrorist spies, human rights violators, human traffickers, drug smugglers, aliens who, if they worked, would displace Americans and drive down wages. How could you be opposed to protecting Americans from foreign nationals who have no inherent right to come here and who would pose a threat? Or, are coming in such numbers that they are overwhelming America, overwhelming our environment, overwhelming critical infrastructure. I gave a speech in Washington quite some time ago, about eight years ago, and and I made a point, and I'm going to repeat it. I said that way back when there was a whole big deal about a dam that was being proposed, and they canceled the dam out of environmentalist concerns about a little critter called the snail dart. If we build the dam, that species, that little critter, should go extinct. Well, if we have to do environmental impact studies before we build roads and bridges and dams and highways, how about if we are as a country should have to do an environmental impact study before we do any substantive changes in immigration policies, laws, etc? It's believed that Biden is responsible for at least seven million aliens entering the country who shouldn't be here, 7 million. Think of that number. It's almost as big as the number of people who live in New York City. Eight, I believe we're up to 8 million, million, 7 million people in the last two years have entered this country who shouldn't be here. There's a water shortage in, in the West, a, a real serious drought, even though they've had floods. Long term, the trajectory is drought, lack of water, 7 million people each require 100 gallons of water per day. That means every day, because of what Biden has done, 700 million gallons of water are being used up by people who should not be here. We're consuming 700 million gallons of water per day. You want to be green? Explain that one to me. Everyone who's here requires electricity. The power grid can't handle the load, especially as the administration demands that more and more electricity is used and less and less hydrocarbons are burned, okay? What does that mean? We have to have more electricity. Meanwhile, we've brought in 7 million people who consume electricity, who require transportation, health care, infrastructure, food, housing. If that isn't inflationary, I don't know what is. Every human being in our country has an environmental footprint. So for all the talk about going green, how green can you go when you keep flooding the country with more and more people, overwhelming schools, which has a, a, a deleterious impact on the education of our children? The Congressional Budget Office did a study way back in 2006 or 2007, and they said, of course, 20 to 40% more to educate kids who aren't English proficient. Of the 7 million, how I many are your kids? that are now in our schools, and how many of those kids might have gang affiliations, which means they pose a threat to the safety of children in school, perhaps pose a threat to the teachers in the schools. These are self-inflicted wounds. And no, I'm not anti-immigrant. But the immigration system, first and foremost, is supposed to serve the best interests of Americans. Americans. Think of what Lincoln said, a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. So when people say America first, to these politicians that are getting massive campaign contributions that are thinly, uh, thinly disguised bribes, for them, America means American corporations. Baloney. How is this helpful to the average American citizen? That's the question that every politician at every level should be asked by everybody. I don't care if they're running for door catcher, mayor, governor, congressman, senator, or president. How are your policies good news for the average citizen of the United States of America? That's the question. Why is that question never asked? Why is that question never asked? Because the powerful, especially since the decision called Citizens United rendered by the Supreme Court, means that unlimited amounts of money could be pumped into political campaigns by special interest groups who could not care less about Americans. We are losing hundreds of thousands of Americans to drugs and crime and issues that could be resolved if we really wanted it to be resolved. They don't care. The people who die, the Americans who lose their life to them, feed bumps, collateral damage, who knows? Maybe it's helpful to the funeral home industry as well. Right? That's a business. The Chamber of Horrors, uh, or the Chamber of Commerce, loves business, doesn't give a rat's tail about Americans. If you wonder what happened to the middle class, I'll tell you. We have imported huge numbers of high-tech workers from all over the world, third-world countries, whose workers have third-world expectations about wages and working conditions. What does that mean? Well, when they take a job in America, they bring with them third-world expectations. Those expectations mean that they will probably work for one-third the wage That an american would expect to do a high-tech job if you bring in enough high-tech workers with third world aspirations guess what that then becomes the new standard for all workers in fact alan greenspan testified for chuck schumer back on april 30th 2009 and said the solution to wage inequality between americans with skills and those with lesser skills as he described it was to make american workers compete with foreign workers take down the shield that protects them that's what the immigration laws are a shield to protect americans get rid of the shield get rid of the wage premium and then when you get rid of that extra money that these high-tech workers are making these middle-class americans that he calls the privileged elite how's that for chutzpah from a guy who has mansions all over the place the middle-class americans are now in his world uh privileged elite if we can cut their wages, we could greatly reduce inequality in wages between Americans with skills and those with lesser skills. So what does that mean? Well, the American with that MBA or that PhD, why should they be making more than the guy that dropped out of high school and, and, and does deliveries? Really. That's called communism. Everybody gets the same size paycheck. This is an abject des- desire to destroy the United States, the middle class, and capitalism, and capitalism has its issues because corporate greed has made things unbearable for too many Americans. Back in the 50s, the average American CEO made 50 times um, what his average uh, worker made. Today, the average CEO makes between 600 and 700 times what his average employee earns. Where do you think that money is coming from? So we bring in foreign workers, we export jobs overseas. Right now, China could strangle us. They could decide they're not going to send us any pharmaceuticals and we'd be better than a doornail. We allowed this to happen because of corporate greed on a level that's impossible to comprehend. When America was attacked at Pearl Harbor, Ford Motor Company and all these other American companies geared up overnight and stopped making cars and started making tanks, guns, and airplanes. Because America made its own stuff, made with American hands. And today that's a novel notion. So, again, if we come back to Lincoln's notion about a government of the people, by the people, and for the people, what people are we talking about when Americans are losing their jobs or suffering wage suppression to the point that the average American could probably not buy a home, where back when I was a kid, purchasing a house with two cars in the driveway was commonplace. Not so commonplace anymore. This is a a system that is designed to fail because the immigration system is a cash cow and it has become a delivery system that delivers an unlimited supply of cheap, exploitable labor, foreign students, foreign tourists, and to the immigration lawyers on both sides of the political aisle, an unlimited supply of clientele. And for these NGOs, non-government organizations that laughably are referred to as nonprofits as they rake in hundreds of millions of dollars in government contracts, they also get an unlimited supply of clients. So when they call these folks coming across the border migrants, baloney. They're either aliens or you could call them clients. You could call them clients. And by overwhelming the system, we are now at great risk, and it's not only the illegal aliens coming into the country, but it's also legal immigration that is undermining national security and public safety and the jobs and wages of Americans. Most politicians will tell you, oh, I favor legal immigration. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. We've got to stop illegal immigration, especially across the southern border. Hey, how about the illegal aliens coming in on boats? How about the illegal aliens coming in through the Canadian border? Well, you've got to look at that Mexican border. Okay, how about the aliens who are coming into the United States through ports of entry the way most terrorists have done in the past and then disappearing into the night? Why are we not talking about that? So let's talk about that. There was a study done, and this was reported on by the group Judicial Watch. And Judicial Watch stated uh, here's the report. It was uh, dated June the 28th this year. Judicial Watch record 853,955 foreigners overstay visa decades after terrorists did it to execute 9-11. A couple of years ago, they estimated that about a half million aliens entered the U.S. and disappeared. We're almost at double that number. And I keep coming back to these numbers. Numbers don't mean much. You know, it was Stalin who said, a million deaths is a statistic. One death is a tragedy. But to put that number into perspective, it just took 19 hijackers to carry out the attacks of 9/11. It took just two terrorists, the two Sarnayev brothers, who carried out the Boston Marathon attack. It took two terrorists to carry out the attack in San Bernardino. Okay? You don't need an army of 100,000 coming across the border. All it takes is a handful, and we have no idea who's here. 853,955 overstay. And overstaying sounds like, okay, they should have left. They didn't go home. Okay, big deal. So maybe they're sleeping on their brother's couch. Maybe. Or maybe they're working illegally, taking a job that should rightfully go to a lawful immigrant or an American citizen. Maybe they're engaged in criminal activity. Maybe they're part of the cartels. Maybe they're part of a terror cell and they're here spending that time uh, putting together a plot to blow up a lot of facilities. The 9-11 Commission warned about that, okay? And then the Washington Times ran an article, Overwhelm Border Patrol Releases Terrorism Suspect into the U.S. And again, we, we go back to the way that they were looking at the terror watch list. So let's look at things from the practical perspective that I've acquired by doing the job for 30 years. First of all, Um, watch lists are helpful, but how many different ways can somebody spell their name if they don't use the English alphabet? I'm Jewish. We celebrate Hanukkah. Hanukkah can be spelled a number of different ways. It can be started with CH or just H. It's got one N. It has two Ns. There's all different ways of spelling it. The same thing with Chinese, with Arabic, with Urdu. Any alphabet that is not our alphabet, the English alphabet, creates the opportunity to spell names different ways so you avoid detection on terror watches, not to mention how many terrorists use fake names. If you watch what's happening in the Ukraine with the renegade general that uh, was going to march on Moscow, when they raided his mansion, they found a whole bunch of different passports and different names. If you look at the 9/11 Commission, they warned about how many different passports each of the terrorists had from different countries and different names. Take a terrorist, and he flips his date of birth around. So let's say you have a terrorist, and his date of birth is January 15th, I don't know, uh, 1970. January 15th for us is 11570, right? But in Europe, they start with the date and then do the month. So it's 15 slash 1. Guess what just happened? You've now created a second identity if you run it into a computer. There are so many different ways of doing things to obfuscate who these characters are where they have plausible deniability. I remember two Israeli brothers that I was investigating when I was assigned to DEA intelligence. They had the same names. But because it was the Hebrew alphabet, it took us a month to figure out that two individuals that we had encountered were actually each other's brother. Because when you're dealing with different alphabets, it becomes difficult to uh, to really know what the actual spelling of the individual's name is. And if you're relying on a terror watch list, look out. And if you're so overwhelmed that you don't have time to play with the computer and interrogate the person properly, guess what happens? So... The Office of Inspector General issued a report about how screwed up things are and how much that leaves us at risk. Part of the reason that the Border Patrol is unable to do its job is because, in the words of the Washington Times article, overwhelmed Border Patrol. Overwhelmed. How did they get to be overwhelmed? Well, Joe Biden did a magnificent job of convincing everybody from around the world that if you come to America, no matter how you come to America – You have nothing to fear. Why? Because we're going to take no action against you. So the more people who become convinced, become convinced that they face no consequences for running our borders or violating our immigration laws, the more likely they are to come here. The more who come here, even if they're relatively innocuous, the bigger the haystack becomes in which we're looking for some very deadly needles in fact one of the tactics used by drug dealers remember i spent half my 30 year career with the ins assigned to narcotics investigation first when i was the first ins agent assigned to the unified intelligence division of the drug enforcement administration in new york city the dea and then when i was promoted to senior special agent and assigned to the organized crime drug enforcement task force so we saw this all the time smugglers whether they were smuggling people or drugs and to them a load is a load it's it's you know a package oh it's a human being oh it's drugs oh it's guns who cares they just move it they're a moving company and they get paid and they are brutal they are violent they kill people they rape women it's a nightmare so you have all this going on and what they would do is sacrifice a load so that while the border patrol arrests some smuggler with 30 illegal aliens in tow, a high-value group that paid a lot more money goes through because the Border Patrol is now tied up processing these 30 people while terrorists, fugitives, God knows what, goes through the border because now the Border Patrol is not on the border. What are they doing? They're processing people they arrested. The Biden administration has the Border Patrol doing this routinely, acting as concierge service for people who shouldn't be here. So again, we come back to the question: How is this good for Americans? Don't tell me what the immigrants want. Don't tell me what the companies want. And in fact, when I testified at the invitation of Chuck Grassley before the Senate Judiciary Committee back in 2013, I was discussing the Biden administration, which makes looks absolutely wonderful compared to to, I'm sorry, the Obama administration, which makes the the Biden administration uh, looked for what it really is, a total disaster, but even under Obama. I said that Obama's immigration policies had, in essence, fired the status pistol for aspiring illegal aliens from all over the world and for them to finish along with the border of the United States, because once they got here, they were home free. So what does that do? You flood America with all these people who shouldn't be here. You overwhelm all of our systems health care, education, but most importantly, the immigration system. So we have no idea who's here. And some really bad, dangerous actors are then able to hide in plain sight and possibly, God forbid, put together a terror plot. This is not idle speculation. Actually, the way things happen. Um, Let me read something. And I've read this before, but I think it's really important that if I'm being repetitious, please bear with me, but it's really vital to remember this. The 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel was authored by a bunch of federal agents and attorneys who were assigned to work with the 9-11 Commission, and they realized that immigration was such a major issue that they – not only thought that the report itself, the 9-11 Commission report, was was a good document, but they actually authored a second report that focused entirely on immigration and terrorism. It was called the 9-11 Commission Staff Report on Terrorist Travel. And the preface of that report begins with the following paragraph. It is perhaps obvious to state that terrorists cannot plan and carry out attacks in the United States if they are unable to enter the country. Yet prior to September 11, while there were efforts to enhance border security, no agency of the U.S. government thought of border security to own the counterterrorism arsenal. I, I want to know how idiotic that is, but that's another issue for another day. But it then goes on and says, indeed, even after 19 hijackers demonstrated the relative ease of obtaining a U.S. visa and gaining admission into the United States border security, Still is not considered a cornerstone of national security policy, we believe, for reasons that we discussed in the following pages, that it must be made one. Now, think about that. Talking about the relative ease of obtaining a U.S. visa, are they talking about aliens running the southern border? No. They're talking about aliens coming through ports of entry with visas. Of course, the southern border is a huge problem, and I've discussed this with you in prior programs, Because there was a hearing in 2018 about how Hezbollah, which is an Iranian-backed terrorist organization, has thousands of operatives scattered throughout Latin America working with human traffickers and drug smugglers to flood drugs and people into the United States, including terrorists, sleeper agents. Okay? But the 9-11 Commission report focused on U.S. visas. That is what? The legal immigration system. When was the last time you heard anybody from either party saying, gee whiz, We better make sure that we imbue the entire immigration system with integrity. No, they're not going to do that because the lack of integrity to the immigration system is a reflection of the lack of integrity of our politicians because it's the legal system that brings in the high-tech workers. It's the legal system that brings in all the foreign students. So we wound up educating, and we continue to educate, Students from countries that are our adversaries, such as China. Betsy DeVos, when she was Secretary of Education for Donald Trump, conducted an investigation into money that was being pumped into America's universities. And this was money that was not reported. God only knows what the total numbers were. But Betsy DeVos came up with over $6 billion that went into universities from China. Saudi Arabia, Qatar, and some other countries. Why in the world would China be pumping billions of dollars into American schools? I'll tell you why. Because they could then alter the curriculum, they could then pick who the professors and members of the faculty are, and they could turn our schools into indoctrination centers. It also becomes a happy hunting ground to look for possible spies when you have Chinese students here who then get pressured that you're either going to do the bidding of the Chinese government or their families back home will suffer the consequences called extortion okay and we've been educating these people now what's really remarkable is that um diane feinstein who's uh, in terrible shape I, I think her days in this senate are numbered but two days before the fifth anniversary of the bombing of the trade center in 93 participated in a hearing with the senate judiciary committee she was part of that committee And she talked about why we should not be giving visas to aliens who come from countries that sponsor terrorism. Of course, in 1998, when that hearing was conducted, it was a lot easier to say that. Since then, lots of aliens from countries that sponsor terrorism have moved all over the world. So now they're traveling under British passports and German passports and French passports, U.S. passports. But back then, it was a lot easier. And she said, Aliens from countries that sponsor terrorism, number one, should probably not be admitted. Number two, we should probably take a hard look at whether we ought to continue the visa waiver program created by Ronald Reagan, by the way, at the behest of the Chamber of Commerce, because the visa requirement enhances our security. You know, if an alien lies on an application for a visa, going back to what they said about how how easy it was for the terrorists to get visas, if you lie on a visa application, it's a 10-year felony. If you do it in conjunction with terrorism, it becomes a 25-year felony. But if you're able to enter the United States without a visa at all, that whole problem goes away for them and opens up a can of worms for us. So she said, maybe we shouldn't be giving visas to to citizens of countries that sponsor terrorism. Maybe we shouldn't be um, allowing them in altogether. Maybe we should end the visa waiver program. Oh, and by the way, We certainly ought not be teaching aliens that come from countries that sponsor terrorism. We should not be giving them training in physics, engineering, chemistry, because we are teaching our enemies how to make weapons of mass destruction. And then she listed a number of such terrorists who were either educated in the United States or educated in England who went on to carry out deadly terrorist attacks using the training they got from us. This is the legal immigration system, folks. When was the last time you heard anybody from either party say, gee whiz, we need to take a hard look at how we allow aliens to enter the United States legally? Every year we admit tens of millions of temporary visitors. Every year we admit a million or more lawful immigrants. They're immediately placed on the path to citizenship. They're given green cards how much integrity does that system have the fact that roughly double the number of overstays or i I prefer to call them visa violators are here is attributable to a couple of factors number one now that everybody knows that there is no interior enforcement thanks to mayorkis why not come any which way and then overstay or violate your visas there will be no consequences right number two how are they getting visas? Number three, how are they being screened by the inspectors at the airport? That's a tough job. I was an immigration inspector for four years. And back in the early 70s when I hired on with the old INS, Immigration and Naturalization Service, today it's DHS, it's Customs and Border Protection, that runs the inspections program at the airport along with the border patrol between ports of entry. And ICE, uh, again, does the, the other part, the Interior Enforcement Program. If these programs are not enforcing the laws, you're not deterring people from coming here who plan to violate the law. You know, you get one opportunity for a first impression. I made that point at one of my first congressional hearings. I'd done a whole bunch of them. So what is now the impression that the world has of the United States because of the corrupt and inept Biden administration? In America, America is still the land of opportunity. It absolutely is the land of opportunity. The drug traffickers, the terrorists, the members of the cartels, fugitives from justice, come one, come all. If you want to break the law, we won't only allow you to get away with it, we will help you, we will reward you, we will coddle you. We will treat you better than people who come legally, and we sure as hell are going to treat you better than if you were a U.S. citizen, or particularly if you were a U.S. veteran. That's the message for the world. Now, what it also does... I'm sure has caused people who could be a a real assets for the United States to not come here. Think about that. Why in the world would you come to a country that rewards criminal behavior and floods narcotics into the street to the point that we're losing hundreds of thousands of innocent people every year and nothing is done about it? Not even TV commercials warning about the perils of taking drugs. If you come from some other country, do you think you're going to come here now? If, if you have a family, if you're concerned about their safety, I'm waiting for Americans to start fleeing America. But where the hell do you go to? We are turning our country into a disaster, and there's no reason for it. And what I'm saying to you does not represent my antipathy towards immigration, but my antipathy for the corruption of our politicians from both parties, the republicrats. If a government can't protect its own people, it serves no purpose, period, full stop. If you're a parent and give your kids the fanciest clothing and buy them sports cars, but you do nothing to give them a wholesome, safe environment when they're growing up, you have failed as a parent. A country that will not and cannot protect its own people fails as a country. The first responsibility of any country, of any government, is to provide a safe environment. As a parent, if you fail to provide a safe environment, there's a good chance you're going to lose custody of your children to the state. Child endangerment. How about citizen endangerment by our government? And that only gets worse. And that only gets worse. And the sad thing is we have aliens coming to our country from all over the world fleeing persecution, fleeing poverty, fleeing crime. And they come to America and to their harbor very often. Now they are finding that the same criminals that they feared in their home country are now here in our country. And it's from all over the world. It's not just Latin America. Because we have allowed criminals from all over the world to easily flow into the United States and commit crime. When you see all the crime being committed, no one wants to talk about it, but I'm willing to bet you that a bunch of some of these people are here from other countries Because they came to America knowing damn well they could get away literally with murder. Wow. Wow. Welcome to America, land of opportunity. This is not sustainable. This is immoral. It is criminal. If a police officer, under the pressure of of a situation, pulls his or her firearm and shoots... Law enforcement officer will be investigated eight ways from Sunday, and I agree with that. I carried a firearm as an agent. Every day I said a little prayer, and I'm not particularly religious, but I said a little prayer. Please, dear God, uh, make it so that I won't need my gun. Thank God I never, ever had to fire my gun at anything other than targets at the range. I came close on the street a couple of times. I was confronted with people with knives and all sorts of crazy situations, But thankfully, we were able to work things out, no shots fired, and it was a great relief. But if a police officer is in that position or a federal agent and they do fire, God help them. They better have an army of lawyers defending them because they will be nitpicked and micromanaged by microsecond to microsecond. But when politicians promulgate policies that result in the deaths of thousands of people, as we're seeing now, Bail and all this other garbage criminals, repeat offenders are released into the community. A bail hearing is a pretty simple thing. I I used to participate in bail hearings. It's danger to the community, risk of flight. You would think if the person's a danger to the community, they'd be remanded. Not anymore. Uh Uh-uh. So you look at the carnage out there. And when was the last time that you heard a politician? who refused to honor an immigration detainer. I mean, not that they're lodging detainers anymore from immigration, because Mayorkas apparently loves what's happening. But even in the days of Trump, when they lodged a detainer, the police, sheriffs, whomever are supposed to hold that person, they didn't. And then that person might go out and kill somebody. Did that sheriff, did that politician face any consequences? You know what the answer is? No. They're not going to face consequences. They can do whatever they want. But if the cop on the beat tries to defend himself, herself, or an innocent third party, and they resort to the use of a firearm, look out. There is no accountability by people that we supposedly elected to represent us. We're not being represented. You know, we just celebrated the 4th of July. Taxation without representation is tyranny. Are we being represented? No. How in the world are we being represented when people are scared to death to walk outside their house at night? This isn't representation. This is intimidation. And so I I look at all the craziness. I, I look at terrorists being released. I look at the incompetence of our government. And I have to tell you, it gives me cause for pause. But I really believe that we got into this mess because we, the people, are lazy. We are lousy employers. We don't know how to make our employees accountable. Yes, those politicians, rest assuredly, are our employees. Mighty and lofty as AOC and these other characters think they are, they are our employees. I remember Barbara Boxer chewing someone out who was a member of the military. What do you mean calling me ma'am? You call me senator. I'd call her Babs is our employee and when you meet employees as an employer you want to establish that employer employee relationship right off the bat and it begins by how you address them i recommend that when you meet a senator when you meet a member of congress you call them by their first name their parents gave them that name if they don't like it let them change their name but that's who they are their names are bob and susan steve and and, and chuck uh and whomever right they are our employees, and we need to start treating them that way. And if they don't want to go to a town hall meeting, they need to be fired for insubordination. When I was an agent and my boss said, Mike, we're having an all-hands meeting at 08:30 tomorrow morning, I got to be there. I couldn't say to my boss, gee whiz, you know, I, I was thinking of sleeping in tomorrow. I can't be bothered. Maybe that happened in the movie Office Space. It didn't happen on my job. Members of the political elite who refuse to meet with members of their supposed constituency need to be voted out of office post-haste. And what amazed me was that what Obama did is he would have what they would call meetings of, uh, of stakeholders in immigration. Who were the stakeholders? Chamber of Commerce, the American Immigration Lawyers Association, all these groups, all these charitable groups, supposedly, all these NGOs, When the unions representing the agents who enforced the laws or administered the laws said, we want to be at the meeting, they were thrown out of the meeting because they weren't really stakeholders. The biggest stakeholder should be the citizens of the United States of America. Off the top, I can't remember the idiot president who said it, but he said the business of America is business. Full. In reality, the business of America should be the safety and freedom of Americans. That's what government of the people means. So when you have politicians that thump their chests and thump the podium and, and talk about an immigration system that brings in workers to do the work Americans won't do, there's a job you have to do. Fire that guy. Fire that woman. How dare you? When I was growing up, corporate heads looked at American kids in school as their next employees they wanted kids in high school and college to do well that's why they had the westinghouse science foundation the ge college bowl it was about encouraging greatness and competency by american children so that when they graduated they'd make great engineers and scientists and technicians and so forth the companies had a vested interest in the education of american kids they don't want American kids to do well today. They want Americans to be as dopey as possible to buy the craft that they're peddling so they can bring in third world country workers. Maximize the bottom line and screw Americans into the ground. Do you wonder why the middle class is going the way of the dodo bird? Because wages are going through the floor and Americans are losing their jobs. And then you have the politicians saying we need to modernize the immigration laws. Well, what does that mean? How do you modernize immigration? Well, you've got to eliminate that section in the law that says that, America, that aliens should not be hired when there are Americans ready, willing, and able to do the job. That goes back to what Greenspan said about shielding American workers from foreign competition and how that needed to end. Well, why does he want that to end? Because he wants these corporate heads to be able to walk in into work and fire every American citizen with complete and utter impunity and bring in an army of third-world workers. Dan Rather did a piece. I'm sure you could find it online. It's called No Thanks for Everything. And if you re- watch the video, it's a well-made video. These were computer programmers who had advanced degrees, graduated Phi Beta Kappa, worked loyally for their companies for years, and then got fired and they were replaced by people from India. For no reason. They didn't do anything wrong. It's just that the people from India would work for a lot less money with fewer benefits. And, you know, I, I know that there are some folks that say to me, well, under capitalism, it's a free market system. It's not a free market system when you can bring in third world workers. Okay? If you really want to have labor going to the level where it should be in terms of its value, then you do that by only allowing Americans to compete for, foreign, for jobs, not foreign workers. But that's not what we're seeing. I was on a talk show a couple of years ago, a radio talk show, and the host said to me, Mike, under capitalism is a guarantee of opportunity, not a guarantee of outcome. I said, there's no guarantee of opportunity. He said, how is that possible? I said, if you're bringing in an army of foreign workers and you refuse to hire Americans. And by the way, there was a video out years ago about immigration lawyers being coached as to how to make certain that when jobs are posted, they'd find an excuse to not hire any Americans and only hire foreign workers because then the lawyers get their cut. So Americans were screwed. The lawyers made more money because they're bottom feeders in in that situation, right? And that was the deal. The lawyer standing on stage said, well, this is going to sound funny, but your job is to make sure that no American gets a job. And everybody's laughing. I wasn't laughing. I was enraged. You should be enraged. So now you've got politicians saying, oh, we've got to bring in all these foreign workers. Well, if you look at who's in Congress, a lot of these people are immigration lawyers. Bob Goodlatte, the Republican chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, he's no longer in Congress, but I had a meeting with him. He's an immigration lawyer who made a fortune specializing in H-1B visas. And when I said to him that my late first wife was a brilliant programmer, look what's happening to that industry, He said, well, maybe she knew a lot about computers, but so does my son, and he'd love to see thousands and thousands and thousands of absolutely brilliant Indian programmers come to America. I said, what about American programmers? Are they chopped liver? And he ended the meeting. He was angry at me. I said, I told him, you know, as the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee for the United States, I would have thought your concern would have been the well-being of American workers, but apparently you don't care about American workers. Well, when he mentioned his son, I went and looked up Bobby Goodlatte, his son. Why don't you go do that when you get a chance? Bobby Goodlatte made a fortune, got his start with Zuckerberg at Facebook, and we know what kind of a character Zuckerberg is. So this guy made a fortune by making certain that American workers were not hired or were perhaps fired so that they could be replaced by people from India who worked for a lot less money with a lot less benefits and more adverse conditions. How is that in the best interest of the average American? And think of who at the time was chairing the House Judiciary Committee, which oversees so many important agencies, including immigration. There is a conflict of interest. Zoe Lofgren is an immigration lawyer. She chairs the Immigration Subcommittee in the House. There is a conflict of interest. They look at the aliens and they see clients. That's why they want a massive amnesty program, because that would mean more clients. hell with what it would do to america they just want more money to shovel into their bank accounts literally at our expense it has to stop we need to sit down with our neighbors forget this garbage about liberal or conservative those are meaningless terms forget about the arguments that we might disagree about the one issue that every american should be on the same page is immigration Because the immigration laws are designed to protect public health, public safety, national security, and the jobs and wages of American workers. Who in their right mind could be opposed to those laws? And if you stay focused on those laws and ignore everything else until the emergency has passed, we can turn this around. But we're being played for fools. How many times have you heard them say, well, first we'll secure the southern border? No, there's no first. The immigration system needs to be rebuilt and it needs to have integrity and it needs to live up to what the laws were written to do protect safety public health and americans jobs period period so when you hear this nonsense about modernizing immigration laws and if we can't arrest them all it only makes sense to let them stay here and give them lawful status so we'll know who they are we won't know who they are The terrorists acquired lawful status in many cases by lying about their identities, lying about their affiliation with terrorists or criminal groups. We're not going to know who they are. There's no capacity to interview these people. Forget about conducting an honest-to-God field investigation. We're living in a very dangerous era. We stand at crossroads. But if we, the people, get together with our neighbors in a polite conversation, and ask them what concerns them. Ask them about their dreams and aspirations for their children and their grandchildren. You know what you're going to find? The great, vast majority of Americans, no matter what party they think they're affiliated with, will come to the same conclusions about what they're concerned about. I suggest that you go to my articles at the front page or perhaps the link to the podcast of this program. Share it with as many people as you can. Let's provoke an honest, rational, level-headed conversation that's based on fact not nonsense and make certain that we the people hold the politicians accountable that's the least that we can do not just for ourselves but for our country and certainly for our children our grandchildren our nieces our nephews the next generation of americans who are going to suffer mightily if we don't turn this nonsense around i thank you for listening I hope you find it interesting and helpful. And please remember, folks, as I always like to say, democracy is not a spectator sport. See you next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. Have a great weekend, everybody. Stay safe.